Welcome to episode 111 of the Half Point for Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie. No producer Johnny Fam today. He is off uh, preparing to get married, uh, eagerly awaiting Dalton and I's arrival tomorrow night to watch the Hall of Fame game. I think that is probably the highlight of this weekend, wouldn't you say, Dalton? Yeah, did you know you can get Chris Streveler on underdog right now, 11 and a half rush yards? I was going to say, I'm wait, this is like a yearly tradition for you. You're, you're sending me all these no-name, it's either lines or if you're doing underdog, yeah, you're, you're sending all, all, all these guys. You're like, I, I'm waiting for your DraftKings lineup. Like, who, who who's your captain in, in tomorrow's game in your DraftKings lineup? Oh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. The dude is a rushing god. He's going to show up in the preseason. I don't know if he can throw the ball, but he can move with those legs. The Browns drafted him as a rookie. They want to see what they got. I'm 100% sure Deshaun Watson will not see the field. Uh, And just a reminder to anybody watching the game, last year, Josh Jacobs played in the Hall of Fame. I was going to say, we're we're on the one-year anniversary of the Josh Jacobs meltdown. And some of us, I won't name names, overreacted and put Josh Jacobs on their fade list for third year in a row. Um, And then he was RB three. So let's just not overreact to anything we see tonight or tomorrow. But if you're listening to this uh, in podcast form, maybe tonight, or maybe it's already happened either way um, is it is exciting to have football back. Don't watch the game. Don't read anything into it. Just be happy that it it is the, the signal that football is, is really almost back. We are almost there. Dalton, this is the first podcast of August, and I thought it'd be a great idea. You know, I, I don't know how many underdog drafts you've done. I, I've done a couple, but not since like at least June, maybe late May. So I haven't drafted at all for a while. I know you've maybe done you did a super flex draft recently, but we have not done um, any mock drafts on the show. So I thought it'd be a great idea to kind of jump into it. Be a great way to talk through uh, some players, some situations, maybe some draft strategies things of that nature, and I guess where we can start is at number one overall because that's where I opted to go because we have not had the the number one overall conversation. I figure we can at least uh, kick it off with that real quickly here. You you said beforehand you're ready to have the the Justin Jefferson conversation. Is he – has he supplanted Christian McCaffrey for you at number one overall? Because I – I'm heavily debating that even internally right now as this clock winds down for me. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's Justin Jefferson or bust at one overall last year when Elijah Mitchell was healthy, Christian McCaffrey only got 53% of the team's rushing snaps. And that's not to like say Christian McCaffrey is not going to go nuclear. and isn't the shoe into BRB one. It's just a bit of a cap on a ceiling. Justin Jefferson, on the other hand, led the NFL in red zone targets with 28 I think the Vikings defense probably takes another step back this year. They didn't add any weapons to it. And then if it's ever been possible for him to increase his target output, this is the season he's going to do it with Jordan Addison lining up as what projects to be the wide receiver two. And then Jalen Naylor suddenly getting all this camp buzz as the wide receiver three and then KJ Osborne. So we know what we got Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. And it's just, I think Justin Jefferson yet again is going to go nuclear and he's just so much more of a shoe in to not be injured by the end of the season. Like no offense to Chris McCaffrey, but any running back has that chance to go and get hurt. It's just a lot harder for your wide receivers to do that. Yep. Obviously wide receivers can still get hurt. I, I get the case. I, it'll be something that I'm still debating internally in my head uh, these next couple of weeks. And we'll talk maybe more about it on, on future shows, but I think I'm going to still go with Christian McCaffrey here. Um, I, I think really my main concern, I, I, like they're pretty equal for me at, at one, but I have more faith. We'll see how this turns out, but I have more faith in what um, what this will look like for me if I'm looking to draft a running back at 20 or at, at 212, excuse me. If I'm looking to draft a receiver after I've already drafted a running back, uh, than vice versa. Yeah, well, and running back is pretty shaky this year all around. Um, but going back to our ranking show and where I'm looking at it right now, I love the idea of Stefan Diggs and A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb staring me down as really shoe-in wide receiver ones um, in this situation. 
Jonathan Taylor is on my my do not draft list until further notice. I would avoid him at all costs. <laughs> I it may he may very well not play this season, and if he does, it he could very well be a late season. I'm injured. I'm not going to play anymore. Mm-hmm. Football um, kind of guy where he just wanted to accrue his season. But you know, me and Evan have Nick Chubb higher ranked than Bijan, Eckler, and Saquon. Yep. Uh, and that's who I'm going with here. I I think Nick Chubb is drastically undervalued this year. Because that is insane that Mahomes just went. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, and he's just drastically undervalued. That offense is going to thrive. Uh, they're going to run it through him. It's one of the best offensive lines. And he's just the best pure rusher in the NFL. And he finally gets the chance to do it with nobody there to take away touches. His underdog receiving line for touchdowns is 0.5. I'm <laughs> just saying. I, I what what are what are his career stats looking like on, on he has the four front? total touchdowns in five seasons I mean so that's probably about right yeah even, even without Kleba that's probably about right but I'm just saying uh and we're back on the board here uh and I mean this is just easy money I liked AJ Brown at 10 AJ Brown's still here do you notice and- that AJ Brown has a star by him I don't know what like like in what I don't know what league I even put a star by AJ Brown, but Sleeper just uh, carries all that stuff over in perpetuity. Yeah, mine has one as well. Um, but AJ Brown's the guy here. He was a top five wide receiver last season. He's a deep threat. He works inside outside. Philly's going to continue to be a dominant offense. I, I have no concerns with a Nick Chubb, AJ Brown start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, quarterbacks flying off. Uh, let me let me make sure uh, of these draft rules. Pretty sure it's, it's uh, half PPR snake. Yeah, half PPR. Uh, I really ho- oh, wait roster settings here. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not super flex. That's just how early they're going. Okay. All right. Ooh, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs right before me, which is great. I don't have to make those decisions. Those are probably two of the toughest decisions that, that you could have in drafts right now. Uh, so glad. Boy, Mark Andrews really high at, at 2-9. Yeah. I, I like how this has fallen to me here. I'm looking at Jalen Waddell, Tony Pollard. You know, maybe I feel better about taking Justin Jefferson if I know Tony Pollard's going to be there for me at, at 2-12. I like that a lot. Uh, and Olave and and T Higgins as well. I think back to back picks here. I'm gonna go uh, Tony Pollard, and I'm gonna go Chris Olave. We've talked a lot about Tony Pollard and how, he, even though he may not be a true true workhorse, he'll be more of a workhorse than he has been because he's never been the starter. Like he, he's gonna be the lead guy there, unquestioned. We'll see if they bring in a veteran or not. And then Olave, I, I think we both are in agreement that even with Michael Thomas back, like I don't think that's going to hurt Olave at all. It may even help him because if Thomas is good, he can make life a little bit easier for Olave. Just a, a stud player, better situation with Derek Carr than what he had last season. Should be more deep shots there. I mean, the guy was a crazy high amount of air yards and a crazy high amount of air yards that went unconverted because of who he was playing with. So love Olave this year. Love that uh, Love that value with both guys at 212 and 3-1, really. Yeah, I mean, getting Tony Pollard there is a steal. He's going in the back half of the second round when, for years, fantasy players have been begging for him mm-hmm. to be a, a, a true RB1. And he was RB8 last year on RB2 touches. So, I mean, sky's the limit for him. I definitely think he should be going higher. Yeah. Um, I'm you gonna, know, I'm, I'm going to pause the draft here real quick. Go ahead. Keep talking. Uh, Chris Olave, on the other hand, is just another player I can't stop drafting. He's going in the third round. He was a borderline top 12 wide receiver last season. He was top three in the NFL in total air yards. He very famously had that game early in the season where he had like 350 air yards. Obviously, a lot of those were unconverted yep. because he was playing with Andy Dalton. Uh, but there's just a lot of money to be had there with Chris Olave, and I think Derek Carr makes him a way more efficient player. Yep, and the reason why I paused here, just looking at at the third round, we have Joe Burrow off the board and Jalen Hurts. So two questions uh, come to mind here. Number one, since we last spoke, or maybe it happened right before the podcast or right after, I don't remember, but Joe Burrow came up with the calf strain last week. He's going to be out for multiple weeks, it sounds like. Uh, I don't know about you, Dalton. I, I personally am not to the point where – I'm going to lower Burrow or his weapons, Chase and T. Higgins. 
quite yet, uh, but I think it's at least something that we'll all be monitoring between now and when more drafts start to take place. I don't know if you have a, a different take on Burrow or a- anything uh, with that situation right now. No, I mean, my, my only consideration would be him at quarterback five, which flipping him and Josh Allen for me in my rankings would be all that would be. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a major change. I mean, I think the top five quarterbacks, including Lamar Jackson, who hasn't gotten this draft yet, is is a pretty solid round. And if you end up with any of those guys, it's a start and forget all season long. So yeah. I'm not going to dock him any lower than that, though. And then just uh, I, I don't have the numbers on this to back this up. But it feels like this, again, this is one mock draft on one website where it's two people and then 10 uh, AIs drafting teams, right? But four quarterbacks uh, in the first two and a half rounds feels like a lot. Mahomes to go in round one feels higher than, than years past. I'm curious if you've put any thought into whether or not we should be drafting quarterback, th- those top guys earlier because it's been just so flat after those guys the last couple of years. And those guys have really been a huge advantage if you have them on your team or, or if that's something that, that you don't really know or haven't really considered too much up to this point. I mean, with them going this early, I'm probably going to gobble up value where I can elsewhere with a lot of these still premier players of their positions going uh, because the replacement points you can get with a lot of quarterbacks is interesting. And I think there are guys later, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, uh, and Anthony Richardson, who have that top eight quarterback in their range of outcomes where you you still get the points you need from them and you're paying a way lower premium draft capital. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I will say if the first two rounds went a certain way, uh, where like, well, let's just say, you know, one of Pollard and Olave is gone and then like, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle, both those guys are gone. I, I would have Jalen Hurts would have been in consideration for me at the two three turn, and that's really never how I've drafted before. So while I still agree with you that I'm more likely to want to wait a little bit and find value at other positions and hope I can piecemeal it together at quarterback, I feel like I'm a little bit more likely this year than in years past to want to take one of those elite guys earlier. But okay, thought those were two points. Worth hitting, you're back on the board a minute on the clock here. I mean, the first one's easy for me. He's kind of fallen here because of the quarterback run, but I'm taking DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. He was sixth in the league last year in red zone targets, and he didn't even convert all of those. He continues to get better. I'm not concerned about the addition of Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think all it does is open this offense up more for him and Geno Smith. They're going to be efficient. He's going to do his job. I think it's an easy pick here. He's going to continue to be as good as he's been. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Jameer Gibbs goes 4-1. I know you were wanting that one to fall back to you because for your sake, I was hoping that one fell back to you. I was hoping for Aaron Jones or Jameer Gibbs here, so that hurts, but we may as well just jump on the training camp highlight train here, and it's going to be Calvin Ridley. Uh, He's continued to move up in ADP all offseason. I think he started in the fifth round. He's up to the mid-third on underdog I saw this morning. I mean, all indications are he didn't lose a step. Last time we saw this guy play a full season of football alongside Julio Jones and a washed Matt Ryan, he put up 1,400 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, he quite honestly is one of the most elite. He was being talked about as one of the most elite wide receivers in football before his suspension. Yeah, um, I mean, the year he got suspended, he was a top, like, seven or eight wide receiver yeah. in redraft. And in our dynasty league, I think I took him as, like, wide receiver eight or nine yeah. off the board. So that that's the kind of guy – this was you don't love that he already has a toe injury no idea the severity but calvin ridley and feet injuries kind of freak me out a little bit so don't mm-hmm. love that but otherwise yeah I, i'm pretty pretty full steam ahead on ridley and you're right his adp is going up by the day like i i bet you by mid-august if he does stay healthy you're not gonna be able to get him in in home leagues at at four three because he's such a big name compared to some of these guys that are going yeah. in this range all right, so, man, two more quarterbacks, Herbert and Fields. So what is that? We're at one, two, three, four, five, six. We're at seven quarterbacks off the board before the end of the fourth round. I swear, I checked. Everyone saw it on, on stream here. <laughs> we we don't have super flex. It's one quarterback, and it's no uh, no funky scoring. It's like my, my dynasty league standard scoring is what we're going with here. I'm staring down the barrel of Joe Mixon and J.K. Dobbins at, at this point. Um, 
we kind of got the update today from Harbaugh when he talked that, you know, he doesn't know when Dobbins is going to be back. He talks to him. He hopes it's soon. So it sounds, and the reporter kind of indicated on Twitter as well, sounds like a hold-in situation, not a knee injury situation, which is what we thought, but it was nice to see that confirmed. And and then you have Joe Mixon, who, while we both uh, agree that he has lost a step, I think he's a pretty safe top 15 type of running back. I just think Dobbins has more upside this season mm-hmm. than Mixon has, if, if the health thing all turns out right and the hold-in doesn't turn out to be a holdout for the season. So I'm going to go with Dobbins here. And I really, you know, I'm going to do it. Screw it. I'm going to I'm gonna go with two young receivers <laughs> and go Drake London at 5-1. We talked about London last show, so everyone kind of knows where, where I stand and where Dalton stands a little bit too. He's not much different. But I just feel like London has big-time blow-up potential. Uh, Terry McLaurin is a guy. This is a good example of deviating from your board a little bit depending on what your team looks like. I probably could have gone safer and went with Terry McLaurin, but I'm just shooting for all upside at, at this wide receiver two pick right now because even though he's a second-year guy, I do feel pretty safe with Olave as a top 15 type of guy. So I'm shooting for the moon with Drake London because if he hits, I I think it could be a, a big-time hit if the situation turns out to be right. All right, Dalton, you're on the board. No quarterbacks between you and I, but we do have another tight end and kill off the board. A couple of receivers I know you don't love and Jerry Judy and Christian Watson going before you, so you've got to like that. Uh, and like mm-hmm. some of your options here, uh, DeAndre Swift, your guy, staring you right in the face in the fifth round. The opposite of my guy. I do think I actually have a my guy sitting right here in front of me. He's the <clears throat> most likely to be a bell cow going this late in the draft, and it's James Conner. Um, last season, More likely with, than Alexander Madison, you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think Alexander Madison also just sucks. Um, but last year, James, James Conner was a top three RB without – uh, Kyler Murray playing. He yep. was involved in their passing game. I mean, it's just all around. He's the only guy in the depth chart who's going to be getting these touches. And I know it's hard to say that with a lot of teams, but very much so. James Conner's the most proven asset on this offense, mm-hmm. and they're going to run him into the ground. And I'm going to take advantage of that and take him here in the fifth round. You you would think that that would be their strategy. Man, I, you, I had to scroll to see him, and he goes at the beginning of the second. What, what is this? Yeah, we're getting sniped. Oh, brutal. All right, your second uh, second pick here at this turn. This one hurts because I would go Tyler Lockett here. I think he's an ideal pick in the sixth round. He's uh-huh. very underrated. But I already took DK Metcalf, and I don't want to double up on that passing attack because there's still some variance in it. Uh, I mean, looking at what's on the board, it's not pretty. But, <laughs> I mean, it's really not. But I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with somebody who's getting a lot of positive news, who seems like he's going to be able to even come out week one and maybe play. And Javante Williams, yep. I'm gonna take him here. I'm not gonna guarantee that he's gonna be a guy I need week one with Nick Chubb and James Conner. But as the season goes on, he's going to get healthier. He's going to get more involved in this offense, and we all think the offense in Denver is going to get much better under Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. And we know what Javante Williams is capable of, which is like a top five running back season. So I'm happy to take him here and really hope that he's back to health when I'm making that playoff push in the playoffs. But this is a big-time swing pick for me. But just the other guys here aren't exciting and don't have that league-winning upside other than Tyler Lockett, in my opinion. I mean, pretty, pretty much everybody, this is really where you get to the swing pick central. I think Madison, DeAndre yeah. Swift, Dalvin Cook doesn't even have a team right now. And, yeah. and, and he's right here. What if he goes behind Brees Hall as the backup? Or what if he goes to Miami and is the starter? A lot of unknowns. Then you have guys with, whether health questions, Mike Williams, situation questions, and Hollywood Brown, and uh, Michael Pittman, both in that range. Like, yeah, and they both go before me there. Madison and Cook back-to-back. That's kind of funny. Okay, you know what? The guy that you mentioned at, <laughs> at 6'3 is still there at 6'12. And I was kind of thinking that when you brought him up. I very much enjoy a good Tyler Lockett right here uh, to kind of insulate that Drake London uncertainty with just the safety of Tyler Lockett. You know, on paper, um, when I say on paper, on his birth certificate, you might think that this would be uh, a time where you would fear the drop-off, but I just don't think we can really be afraid of that right now because he, he had you know Matt Harmon's reception perception arguably his best year as a pro as a route runner, so I just don't think we can forecast 
any kind of drop off. Uh, for yeah, Lockett. he continues to be the most underrated wide receiver yeah. in fantasy for the last five to six years. Yeah, and like I, I bet you JSN, who I don't have to scroll very far to see, he's he's gonna go this round. It's gonna be like a yeah. six pick difference, and that's like a a twenty spot different in my wide receiver ranks, let alone uh, just straight up uh, all top one hundred ranks or anything like that. And, you know, we got the report today, I believe, uh, from NFL.com that Isaiah Pacheco should be cleared for contact by August 20th. All is going well with the hand and shoulder recovery. And we've talked about Pacheco a little bit. He'll probably end up being a my guy for both of us. Uh, I love getting Pacheco as an RB4. Don't have to start him, but could definitely uh, start for me if I have J.K. Dobbins issues or Drake London issues. Uh, I love the value of Pacheco at 7-1. That's probably my favorite pick I've made so far. Yeah, I think it's a massive value. Uh, obviously, we saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire have a touchdown crazy season where he didn't have to do a lot. Uh, and then Jarek McKinnon picked it right up. Talked about it on the pod where we talked about the Chiefs running back room. But they they had 22 total touchdowns that are that are just out of that backfield alone. And I think they'll continue to do that. Obviously, Kansas City is an offense that will not QB sneak after watching Mahomes right. go inside out. Right. So they, they may Blake Bell sneak, but not QB sneak. And yeah. you know what happens if Pacheco continues to be involved in the passing game like he was at times down the stretch? Like what happens if McKinnon turns into a more of a safe for the stretch run? And, and plus, mm-hmm. you know, he, he still finished pretty pretty well despite McKinnon having just an all time stretch down the season last year, yep. which you don't anticipate that's going to happen from anybody in this backfield again. Yeah. Now, I hate what I'm looking at here. Um, <laughs> I don't want Jason. I, I think he's going too high. I, I'm a noted George Pickens non-believer. Yep. I don't think he separates at an elite level, and he's just being asked to do too much in that offense. I am curious. In, any thought, uh, Dak Prescott, this is kind of where you and I have the tier break at quarterback. You go from Dak to Deshaun Watson, and that, that's how we have it ranked out, too, with the guys who have gone. Uh, he, he's a possibility here, I would think. I've certainly thought about it here. I think I'm going to go for a guy replacing the fourth most routes run in the NFL in Jordan Addison. Uh-huh. He's a rookie we've been a believer in here. And Adam Thielen ran the fourth most routes in the NFL. Yeah, it's JSN, pretty clear. Next pick and Pickens pick after that. That's yep. It's pretty clear that they, they want him to be the guy alongside Justin Jefferson. He's going to get a lot of one-on-one looks. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to get a lot of press coverage, which is the biggest factor for me. Because that's where he was going to struggle the most in the NFL because of his stature. He's not a big guy. And this is going to be way easier for him to get the ball rolling when he doesn't have to worry about guys pressing him. He's going to get so many one-on-one looks. I just, mm-hmm. I can't help but take him here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to- totally get it. That probably would have been my pick as well. So you're back up. A couple guys that I, I think all four of these guys are probably guys that you wouldn't take. Obviously, Tony, if we knew he was healthy, you probably would. But yeah. So you've got to be at least liking how the board's fallen in that regard. With that said, it, it is kind of tough sledding trying to decide who, who to take at this point. Dak is still there. That possibility is still open for you. He's him. still there. But I think I'm just going to go for another player I think is getting discounted because of their change in situation and location. Uh, but Brandon Cooks is an enigma for me this offseason. He goes from the wide receiver one in his offense to the wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. But it's such a drastic improvement in the play of quarterback that I can't help but think he's going to outcompete his ADP right now, which is wide receiver 38. Mm-hmm. It's going to make it really easy for him to do that. C.D. Lamb is going to play in the slot, but Brandon Cooks is the field stretcher. They were hoping Gallup would come back and be, and he wasn't. And we were drafting Michael Gallup around here last year, and he wasn't. Like, he's no Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks in his career has never finished outside the top 30. So I don't see how – in points per game, sorry, not in total season because we know sure. he has his injury concerns. Yes. Uh, so I just don't see why he's going so late other than we're concerned about a change of scenery. But I love Brandon Cooks here. He, he's just been off the radar for so long. And kind of like Tyler Lockett, he does have the, the age concerns. But unlike Tyler Lockett, he didn't just have a, a baller season last year. Yeah. So the one concern in my mind would be just what if Brandon Cooks isn't the same guy, that would be something to watch in in training camp four. Boy, Tua jumped up and went ahead of Dak, uh, even though their ADP wasn't like that. A little disappointed that Zay Flowers went mid, mid-round mid here. Ooh. I thought that was going to be a guy that made it back to me. Uh, Quentin Johnston off the board, too. You know, Deshaun Watson just looking into my soul right now at, at the 8-12. Uh, this is... 
big time swing pick that if it were the hit, obviously this is a league winner. I just can't get the Warren Sharp Twitter thread out of my head that I sent you today of basically all of Deshaun Watson's longest throws. He looked bad. We're all incomplete and most of them by a mile. Now you have Elijah Moore, you have a whole year, you have all that, but I, I just can't bring myself to do it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going with what I think is similar upside in Anthony Richardson. That was that that has thrown my draft because <laughs> that was that was the plan for me to take Anthony Richardson this round. I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, and then with my next pick, I'm I'm going safety here. I'm getting a position knocked out that we just don't love to talk about very much. I'm going to go with my guy Pat Fryermuth. Uh, just lock in a what I think is a very solid top ten tight end in fantasy this season. Yeah, I mean, I like that pick with Anthony Richardson. I think he clearly has the ability to be a top eight quarterback. Quarterbacks who rush for at least 500 yards have never finished outside the top 12 yep. when it comes to fantasy, and I think that's very much within Anthony Richardson's range of outcomes. And, and he's like, getting all the first-team reps right now, yep. so all, all signs are pointing to, to him starting week one. And now we can debate, and we will not know the answer until we see it, we can debate all day whether or not Jonathan Taylor not being there, if that were to happen, is it good for Anthony Richardson because he gets more chances or is it bad for him because he has more of a focus? The play action's not going to come as easy, things like that. Uh, so that's a little bit of an unknown, but yeah, I'm with you. We've talked about the upside ad nauseum. I think everybody, everybody sees it at this point because the guy um, was the third quarterback taken in the NFL draft and I just took him ahead to Sean Watson uh, at 8-12 and I think people will do that quite frequently and are probably doing that quite frequently in best ball drafts this year. So, all right, Dalton, what are you looking at at the 9-10 spot here? We have I really hate how this draft has fallen to me uh, because Samaje Ryan is another player I really like here, but I have Javante and don't want to double up on that backfield. Yeah. Um, but that would have given me a very easy roundabout way uh, to get some easy points because I think they're going to split the workload. It's in Sean Payton's history to do that. I don't think he's going to change how he does that. Yep. I don't love him. You could stick by your guns for Sean Bateman. Uh, still on the PUP. Uh, we don't exactly know the extent of the injury, but we, we've both liked him and you especially. That's that's what I'm going with here. I think the Ravens pass more. I think that they're a very pass-happy offense or Todd Munkin. Rod, Rashad Bateman last year when he played was one of the best players. He was the only had over 100 yards in a Lamar Jackson game. It was only 400-yard game. And I think he's still the best playmaker in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Just hopefully his foot gets better. God, yeah, I know it. Ooh, Jamison Williams uh, pick before you. Jamal Williams off the board. That would have been some nice safety. You know, you're still looking at uh, no quarterback, no tight end. Just keep in mind this is a, a 13-round draft. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm sticking <laughs> to my guns here. I'm the kind of guy. First of all, just so everybody's clear on what my strategy would be, is Kyler Murray would be number one waiver at the moment. I had an open roster spot with uh-huh. the way I'm building this team. Um, here, I'm going to go for another upside play. James Cook in his career has never had more than 12 touches a game. And this is career going back to college. Like mm-hmm. He's not a player who's ever handled a big workload. Damian Harris looks like the next guy in line. I think the Bills want Josh Allen to touch the ball less. They want him to do less goal line. It is very scary when your quarterback is doing what he does. And obviously, his arm got injured. And it did cause him some issues down the line because of that elbow injury. So I'm taking Damian Harris. He's always been an underrated back. He's always performed well at all the grading metrics. I think that he can very easily work himself into a short yardage role here on a team that's going to score a lot of points. So I'm taking Damian Harris and wrapping up my RV room. So you uh, aren't putting any stock into Mr. Josh Allen saying that James Cook is going to kind of be our every down, do everything guy. That's what he came out and said today. I mean, you can say what you want to say when you're the quarterback. It just doesn't mean you're right. You know, we have those quotes all offseason. And it, no matter what, this Buffalo team is going to need somebody else in that backfield to take the workload off. James Cook, just he's not a big enough guy to, to handle, you know, an 80, 90 percent workload. And that's not a knock on him. I still think he's a good player. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit upset with how this fell. I was hoping one of Kirk Cousins or Geno Smith would follow me because I think if you take Anthony Richardson, it is a good idea to insulate him with a veteran quarterback late in drafts. I think at this point, I don't love Rodgers this year. I don't love Daniel Jones. Like, you know, you look further down the board, Jared Goff is still there. Let's see who else. Uh, Bryce Young, don't love that. Yeah, maybe Derek Carr, like Matthew Stafford. There's enough options where I think I'm going to wait on quarterback until 
a little bit later. So, boy. I mean, you mentioned the Elijah Mitchell splits. That That is something to consider here. You have Odell. I, I just, I like the two young guys too much there. You know, I think part of the reason why we both have Bijan where he's at is, number one, it's just really hard to trust a rookie to do what these veterans have already done. And number two, are we sure Tyler Algier is not going to be involved in, in some capacity this season? Like, he's not going to have too big a standalone value, but I think he's probably one of the top one or two handcuffs this season mm-hmm. with potential for standalone value if that offense breaks a certain way. So I, I don't hate a, a late shot on, a, on Algier. I just don't see too much upside in this range otherwise. What, what do you think about that? I love it. I mean, despite being a rookie last year, he led the league in 40-yard runs. I wouldn't say that's a sticky year-to-year stat, but it is very much so a stat that shows he's an explosive runner. Uh, PFF graded him out as their best rookie running back last year. He was top 10 in PFF's grades. He is very talented, which made the the Bijan trade or pick a little more head-scratching was they they were a very good run team without adding Bijan. And I think all of that was behind Tyler Algier. So I like it. And he's probably the best one-to-one handcuff you can get right now in fantasy. Yep. Agreed. And so I think uh, with him as my RB five, that'll probably wrap it up for me at running back. And I'm going to go with another guy, another chief who's probably going to be a, my guy uh, for both of us. Cause we're both way. Well, I don't know with the, the Tony injury, but I have a feeling we're both still a little bit ahead of market on, on sky Moore, And we've talked a little bit about, about him and that receiving room. So I won't belabor it, but, all of those Chiefs young guys are getting hype right now, and it's kind of led by by Sky Moore and the drum beat that he's getting. I, I think he could be in for a big year, especially if Tony starts the season at, at less than 100% and is being eased back in or is just not there for the very beginning mm-hmm. of the season. Like, Sky is the guy outside of MVS that you feel safest about in that room, which is a little bit scary. But also, I think he showed some good things last season as a rookie and they they moved him around a lot last year to figure out what he could and couldn't do he might have a more defined role in the slot in that juju role that fits his strengths more than what he was asked to do last season which was play everywhere and do everything for the snaps he was in yeah and i agree with that i think he he fits the slot role he was a guy that most most analysts thought it was going to take a year, and, and a lot of us fantasy players just wanted to put him in yep. as the, the plug-and-play guy because of where he was taken. Uh, exciting for the second year. Him not returning punts and playing special teams is probably up to his benefit yep. this offseason so he can focus with the offense. I think we're both at a market. And I, I think I'm probably going to keep moving about my ranks closer to wide receiver 30, mm-hmm. 32, 33. Uh, so here I think I'm staring down the barrel of the gun, and – they say Sandy is doing the same thing twice, expecting different results, but we're going to take Russell Wilson here. <laughs> I, was saying, I knew that, that was going before you even said the name. You know, I just saw on Twitter he threw five picks. Uh, he's thrown five picks in training camp, which I get, yeah. that, that, that's not really that many because the yeah. camp has been in a bit. Uh, I will say I'm just a little bit more prone to be freaking out about that with Russell Wilson than some other quarterbacks at this point. But, but yeah, I don't hate the shot uh, in the 11th round if, if you can muster a top 12 type yeah. of season out of him then that and once really hack it was fired team. he was qb8 yep. in points per game it was a very small sample size i think the adults are in the room now um and russell wilson is not one of the adults i think that's almost exactly what sean payton said about russell wilson <laughs> which completely fine i'm okay with that sean payton's a better offensive coach than Nathaniel hackett uh just because he's not going to run a shotgun formation on the one yard line and then fumble the ball and then do it again yeah. uh Speaking of insanity being the same thing you do over and over again, expect different results. So, uh, and again, just so anybody watching or listening, my strategy with this team at the end of this would be to target Kyler Murray pretty pretty quickly on uh, PUP and get him on my team because I think he will come back and play at some point this season. Now, if someone takes Kyler Murray, as I say, you know, he's uh, looking right now. He's one forty seven overall, yeah. so he he is in, he is definitely going to be drafted in, in this auto pick draft. Yeah. Um, you could drop him right here, double up, just take two quarterbacks. I won't, because the next guy I'm taking, especially with that cup injury, Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby yep. was tied in six last season. Um, like, this is just one of those, there's nobody home. I mean, we got Puka <laughs> Nukwa, Van Jefferson. Do, any, anybody remember I think it's Marcus? Nakua. I think it's Puka Nakua. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I mean, we, we have gotten to the point of the season where people are talking about 
Demarcus Robinson as the wide receiver two in in LA. Yeah. So hey, the the wide receiver two is Tyler Higby. They're Look, gonna pass as, as as Chiefs fans, we can tell you. If you're talking about Demarcus Robinson as your wide receiver too, <laughs> you better have uh, a good number one, which you do have Cup is out there. But boy, that is still a lot of pressure on Cooper you're, Cup. If that you're gonna have a bad day if Demarcus Robinson's your wide receiver too. Yep. Okay, uh, I need to take a quarterback with one of these picks, and I don't think Bryce Young or Kyler Murray really fit the profile. The problem is <laughs> these top three quarterbacks; none of them fit the profile of what I'd be looking for. Derek Carr is tempting. Uh, Matthew Stafford also is tempting. But to be frank, that's a big risk profile um, Mm -hmm. with Matthew Stafford. So, I don't know. I kind of don't like any of those guys. And and just looking down the list, I I think maybe between, like, Ryan Tannehill, Brock Purdy – and if Stafford goes undrafted, I think this team could find enough on the waiver wire that I'm going to pivot away uh, from quarterback. It it still really stings that neither Cousins or Geno fell to me at 10-12. That's what I was really mm-hmm. hoping for. And so I'm going to lean back in the running back here. And, you know, this was not one of my favorite prospects, but I'm a little bit of a Travis Etienne skeptic uh, by and large, I would say. And we've been hearing a lot of good Tank Bigsby stuff out of camp. So I, I – I don't. I didn't love the prospect, but we've had a lot of hype. It seems like he's got that backup spot. It. I think we're in agreement that we don't think that uh, that Etienne is going to get the same snap share as he did last season, and and that he shouldn't really, to be frank. And so that between the tackle stuff for Bigsby is there to be had. Yeah, and I, I like that. I mean, he is going to be the goal line back. Last year, it was pretty evident that Travis Etienne struggled at converting goal line carries. He just wasn't very good at it. Um, Tank Bigsby, if he's going to do anything, he's going to be converting those carries. Uh, and it's going to be a fun offense that scores a lot of points. And when you're targeting backup running backs, you want offenses that are going to be scoring a lot of points. That's basically how Jamal Williams became Jamal Williams last offseason. It wasn't because he was a super good runner. It's because he had 17 touchdowns. Yep. Absolutely, boy. Uh, I'm going when, from uh, from a. Good when did offense. you star Romeo Dubs and Jordan Love? I want a question. <laughs> I, 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 think those were, I think those were both waiver wire stars in the. <laughs> but uh, I think I think I didn't even end up bidding on Dubs, but Brian bid all 200 of his fab on Dubs, so that was irrelevant. Uh, Jordan Love may have been for this waiver cycle, and then I just didn't bid on him. Uh, yep, I think with I think that's what that is. You know, I somehow. As as the guy in Dynasty that has a bazillion receivers, I somehow only have four receivers on this team right now, and one of them is Sky Moore, who I like, but don't don't feel like great about that. Re- I feel great about the top three. Don't feel great about who four and then now who five is at this point. You have Rasheed Rice, who I think has upside. Zay Jones as well. I'm going Nico Collins. Uh, I like Nico Collins as a player. Don't love the situation, but if the situation be a little bit improved from last season. I think there's some sneaky value in Nico Collins, especially if he's going this late in drafts. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, he's his team's wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the, the word out of the Texans camp was we don't have a wide receiver one, if anybody saw that news, news clip today. <laughs> um, but he's the best player. He established the most rapport. He out-targeted Brandon Cooks in his last five games yep. last season. So there's there's a lot of yep, hype around it. Cooks, and not that I'm saying your pick was wrong, but he went five rounds before this. Yeah. And, I mean, he's the he's the best X receiver on the team. I mean, it's him and Robert Woods who are going for the X. And yep. then it's a bunch of John Mechie and Tank Dell are, are slot guys, are slot flanker guys. So he's not being competed for the targets he wants. I like that. Um Despite advertising my exact strategy to all of my draft mates, none of them capitalized on it. And <laughs> even though I'm stuck with Russell Wilson, I get Russell Wilson 2.0 coming off an ACL injury and Kyler Murray. Yeah. So uh, I'm taking Kyler Murray here, round up my quarterback room. He's he's a top seven quarterback when he's healthy. He has the running potential. Uh, we'll, we'll be interested to see what the all short Kings team does with all of their tiny wide receivers along with Kyler Murray. Uh, but certainly an exciting pick for me to, to finish the draft. Yep. 
Yep, I like that. And I like how the end of this draft fell uh, for my team for waiver wire purposes. None of those quarterbacks I was talking about went at the end of this draft. It, it was Bryce Young, Jordan Love, Kyler Murray, the U, and then Stroud. So all those guys with a higher risk profile who I don't want to pair with Richardson go. So I I like my decision at the end of the day of splitting splitting this one up and, and splitting from my strategy, I should say, and just uh, going with, with running back and receiver to top it all off. All right, Dalton, a couple takeaways uh, as we wrap this up here. Um, do you have a, a preference just looking at my team, looking at your team? We like similar guys. We dislike similar guys. Do you think picking first or picking 10th, and maybe more specifically picking in the top couple of picks or back couple of picks, do you like that more now that you saw how this draft uh, kind of fell? Well, I like how mine played out, but a lot of that centers around how running back heavy you ended up going. Uh, and and as you said, you just you're really not about that mm-hmm. usually. And I'm I'm usually not about that. I think if Justin Jefferson was your one one instead of CMC, I would like your team a lot more. It's it's shaky to take, think Drake London as your third wide receiver or your second wide receiver and just putting your faith in that Atlanta offense. I like the idea of a Metcalf, AJ Brown, Ridley. Uh, start and forget lineup but uh, I mean I will be just absolutely locked in to the medical reports on Javante Williams for the next five <laughs> weeks with this team which is stressful yep and yeah looking at how it fell I, I said this at the beginning but ha- had I known Tony Pollard was going to make it to 212 I think I that, that would have probably been my tiebreaker to go Jefferson mm-hmm. at 1-1 because you know, again, I don't like Pollard as some like first round pick or anything, but I think he should be more like the two, four, like two five, two six, some, somewhere in that early to mid second round. Instead of uh, like I'm looking, I, I'd take him probably. Obviously, for JT, who just went because of ADP, I might like him more. I still think him. I would take Jonathan Taylor right now today over Pollard. Yeah. That is insane. I would never do that. I, I just I just think it's still the most likely scenario is is him playing. Yeah. It's certainly possible. I I think it's I mean again, we we don't know anything. We're we're it's just uh it's all conjecture at this point from us. But I, I just think that the most likely scenario it is Jonathan Taylor plays and he's awesome because Jonathan Taylor's awesome and whoever takes him in the I'm trying to even find where where he went jt where, yeah he went uh um, oh he went two two right before two, you. two yeah yeah like I, I think that's fine I, I think that's fine value for jonathan to like i would maybe take aj brown over him but that that's it like maybe one spot further down uh for me i, I just think he, he's just such a good player that's so hard to find at running back like i i would still take him over Bijan, who went one seven I would definitely take Bijan over him. I'm really concerned about this situation. I think that there might be some irreparable harm done to the, his relationship with that general manager in Jim Irsay. That may be true, but like what, you know, it's kind of like with Saquon and Josh Jacobs. Now, one of those has been resolved. One of them has not been, so we'll see. But he he doesn't have any leverage. And in fact, he has even less leverage himself than... Uh, than uh, than Josh Jacobs because he he can get tagged at least after this year and maybe two more years like they they've got him on 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 tag so they basically yeah. have him for three more years if they want him so I I get what he's trying to do I get why he's mad but this is just uh, it's just a systematic problem for running backs right now I'm not sure what Jonathan Taylor is supposed to do now if it is August 23rd and I'm in my draft and things are still sitting how they are. I might feel differently, but it is August 3rd right now. So with what we know on August 3rd, I, I'm just, I am more likely to believe that Taylor is, is back and in the fold and playing week one. Yeah. I, I just, this early in the draft, I just want to avoid that risk profile altogether. I yeah. And his back injury. I don't know if that's a real thing or not, but the it doesn't, one it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't yeah. seem like it. I think, uh, I think he's still recovering from the ankle injury. I think he had off season ankle surgery, right? Uh, yeah. After the year last year, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that, that back injury. But yeah, I, I think I would have gone Jefferson one had I known that Pollard would be there. And and frankly, 
I don't know. J.K. Dobbins is a tough one because I'm a lot higher than ADP, but I still thought he'd go higher than being there at the 4-5 turn for me in this draft. So, yeah, it, the running back just fell start where like, but like I look at every running back I took and I think they're all of value. So it, it just is like, yeah, I, I do wish I went Jefferson one. But other than that, maybe my, my it's not even a regret, but you, you talk about kind of the risk profile of your team and, and trying to build a team a certain way. I think if I didn't take Anthony Richardson at eight twelve, I would have gone elsewhere at nine and then taken – Kincaid at 11-1. I didn't, I didn't want Kincaid and Anthony Richardson, both as standalone starters on my team, because that that's just a, a slow start for a fantasy team waiting to happen if things don't start smoothly for those guys. But I, I have some small regrets over maybe not, you know, waiting on quarterback, taking Kincaid and kind of piecemealing veterans at, uh, around later. But I, I don't know. By and large, I feel pretty good about how this went I, I would think for you obviously you have kyler murray which is nice but i would think maybe the russell wilson point of things is probably your biggest source of stress outside of javante williams injury report yeah i mean they get las vegas week one so the goal there is just they got seattle is. week one last year i know seattle ended up being <laughs> a lot better than we thought but you know, we thought, oh man, Russ is gonna go in there and put up, put on a show, and then it just didn't. he put on a show. Let's <laughs> that's let's, that was an entertaining game for better or worse. Uh, no, I mean that's big. The biggest regret is the way quarterback fell. This I just couldn't get one of the, the top guys, and I didn't want to reach for him. Do you have any regrets with how this fell? You know, you would have had to take Dak instead of Brandon Cooks. Would you rather have Dak than Brandon Cooks, and then you figure it out? by with another you know receiver maybe later on your draft where you took one of those quarterbacks yeah i mean i probably would have felt more comfortable taking Dak, swapping out cooks and then later i probably would have taken jameson williams said damian harris and then probably jared mckinnon uh, just looking at what's next to my team those are two picks that would have been something i would have shot for man jameson williams loved the prospect I can't even say love the player because he's it's just theoretical. So I still have to say love, love the prospect with, with this guy. But I just can't – I can't get behind drafting him right now. I, I just don't think I can do it. He's going to miss the first six weeks of the season. Boy, you're you're going to be – if you would have taken him and you set yeah. it up with Kyler Murray, you would have been all IR squad there. Yeah, but him and Javante. Yeah, him and Javante too. You probably wouldn't have had Kyler if you went elsewhere at quarterback, I guess. But – yeah, the fact that he's going to miss six weeks, depending on your IR rules, if you can draft him and then turn right around after your draft, move him on the IR, and then pick somebody up, if you can get him in the 10th round of your draft, that's not a major opportunity cost. But you can still find – I mean, you know, Damian Harris will help your team. Samaje Piran will help your team. I think I'd, I'd, I definitely would rather have Elijah Moore than – than Jamison Williams actually on my team this year, even with the Deshaun uncertainty there. Like Jamison, is it, did, did he get injured in camp? I know he's like been, been in like in no. fights, which I'm not big yeah. on the training camp fight concern, but it's just, the I'm, concern I'm, is I'm more concerned Campbell, about it with him than with Travis Kelsey. I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah. Well, Campbell set <laughs> out and said he had to work on his hand mechanics. Yeah. And I mean, that's not something coming from college that we were ever concerned about, but Dan Campbell does seem like one of those coaches where if you're not playing the game the way he tells you to play the game, you're not going to be on the field. Yep. And then it does become more concerning when you look at his snap shares last year. He never cleared 30%. I know he was coming back from an ACL injury, but we legitimately haven't seen this guy, a first-round pick, on the field in an NFL game play a 60% snap share. And his whole career is well, one touchdown. He literally touchdown. has one reception for 49 yards and one touchdown. That yeah. that That is his stat line. Like, it's way too early to, to call this, so – Please don't take me as me calling this, but you talking about you have to do certain things to be on the field for Dan Campbell. It's just like DeAndre Swift, just lightning bolt went straight, straight through yeah. in one ear out the other year when you said that. So that, that makes me a little bit scared uh, for, for Jamison. But yeah, I, I just can't, unless you can go and stick him straight on your IR, I can't get behind drafting him. And even if you can do that, I think you're missing out on, on some value. It, it really depends on team structure though. Like looking at that team, that he got drafted to specifically, 
now again these are computers who aren't thinking through this kind that of strategy. That seems terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. But you know, you have Kenneth Walker, you have JSN, you have Kadarius Tony. Like that's enough risk for me. Those three guys Juju. alone. Juju. Yeah, and then Juju too with with his knee and then the situation not being ideal. So yeah, I just uh, you have to have a pretty low risk profile for me to want to add a Jamison Williams to my team. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to start pretty wide receiver heavy. Like, he has to be somebody you're not relying on. Yeah, yeah. Agreed there. Dalton, anything else that stands out to you about the way the draft fell for you, for me, or just looking at any other teams? We talked about quarterbacks. Uh, tight end it was about normal, it seems like. Any other big takeaways? Like, Kyle Pitts at 5'12". Uh, this might be, uh, what's the term? Uh, post-hype sleeper. Not really a sleeper, but post-hype breakout maybe for Kyle Pitts because 512 actually he's getting to the point where he might be affordable and might be on a team of mine if that's where I can get him. Well, I heard this fun stat from the athletics day, but last season in uncatchable throws, Zach Wilson was number one. Number three was Marcus Mariota. I thought you were going to say number three was any quarterback throwing the Kyle Pitts because that, no. that's kind of just what, what it's felt like the last, but it is years. funny because number two, was Desmond Ritter in his four-game span. <laughs> so basically n- number 2.5 was quarterbacks throwing the yeah. Kyle Pitts. Um, but I think I, I he's probably going to be a bye guy, and I'll talk about it more. But I think James Conner in the fifth round, especially the late fifth round, is egregious with some of the guys going above him. Yeah. I mean, I think him and Miles Sanders pretty interchangeable. I think Damian Paris going a full round above him is insane. Uh I think him and Najee Harris are probably the same thing this season, and you're getting him at a two-round discount. Uh, so super excited about that. Probably my favorite pick of the draft was getting uh, James Conner there, and then Nick Chubb at the back of the first round. I still think he should be in the like Austin Eckler range of picks. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I would have Chubb in, in half-point scoring as a top five or six pick. All right, Dalton, anything else before we close it on out of here? I think that wraps it up for me. All right, that is going to do it for episode 111 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. That way you can follow mock drafts when we do them live. You can follow along. I've had the screen shared the whole time. I will tweet out a a picture of our teams with the podcast as well so people can see that. The show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. We'll be back next week. I'm not sure what the topic is, but we are definitely into the my guys, sleepers, breakouts, busts. We, we are in to the thick of it. So looking forward to that. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.